0: Praise the Lord everybody, we are back for our next session in our overview series of the book of Revelation. Today we're going to be in chapter 12 and uh, listen, I'm going to try to condense this down and just give you a brief outline without a lot of explanation, but I want to tell you this, we are using some material uh, to help put together this overview series Uh, We're using the Dake's Annotated Reference Bible. We are using the uh, Perry Stone New Testament. Also several books by Perry Stone, Hal Lindsey, John Hagee, and others. We are also using a study guide and a commentary by Jimmy Swaggart on the book of Revelation. And we're using some material as well from Jack Van Impey. And so you can garner any of these materials out there where you are at go into much greater detail, especially here in chapters 12 and 13. This is basically an explanatory interlude. uh, As we look at the book of Revelation, chapters 12 and 13 are happening in the midst of Daniel's 70th week, or in the midst, the the three and a half year mark of the great tribulation period. And so what I'm going to do is read these verses, and then I'm going to make some comment as it pertains to it. We're going to share some Greek words, but we're going to move right along through this without bogging down into a lot of detailed information. So again, as I've done through this entire overview, I want to encourage you to do independent study on your own. And uh, there are a lot of things in Bible prophecy that are absolutely set in stone, black and white. And then there are other things in Bible prophecy that is open to a myriad of interpretations. And uh, great discussions, you can have a blast talking with your friends about the end times and Bible prophecy, but you should know the basics. And the basics are pretty firm, pretty set in stone. Here's what I believe as far as a, a basic skeleton outline of the End times. First of all, the next great event on the horizon of time will be the rapture of the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, immediately after the rapture, and actually some 75 days or so might elapse, before the start of the Great Tribulation Period, which is seven years in length. At the end of the Great Tribulation Period will come the Battle of Armageddon. Hallelujah! And Jesus Christ will defeat His foes. Once and for all. And then the church will be carried into the millennial reign of Christ. A thousand years to rule and reign with Jesus. At the end of which we will go into eternity future. Now that's basic, basic, basic. Uh, Somebody said where does the great white throne judgment fit into that outline? The great white throne judgment we will discuss when we get to the end of the book of Revelation. And so we will leave that for that time frame. But it is after the Battle of Armageddon. And that's all I'll say about that right right now. Praise God. The Great White Throne Judgment, there will be no believers there. There will be no Christians. The Great White Throne Judgment is simply for those who would not receive Christ. We'll get into that in much, much more detail in the future. And I think what we will do Uh, sometime in the future whenever the Lord shall give us the green light as we will come back and we will section this out like that and we'll teach on each section like the rapture of the church the great tribulation period the battle of Armageddon the great white throne judgment the millennial reign of Christ and then on into eternity future and that's just a basic I mean, that's etched in stone. You know, in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul says that if you don't believe in the resurrection, you cannot be a Christian. Uh, Did you know that he said that? Well, the rapture and the resurrection are the same event. Okay. Now, it doesn't give us the detail of the timing of the event, and that is what is in great debate in Christendom today. Uh, Will it be pre-trib? Will it be mid-trib? Will it be post-trib? I I personally am a pre-trib rapture believer, meaning that I believe it takes place before the Great Tribulation. That does not, however, mean that nothing bad is going to happen uh, until, uh, you know, the Great Tribulation. There's bad things taking place in the world today, and there will be more bad things all the way up to the rapture of the church Satan is not in sympathy with us as God's people. See, Satan hates God. Satan hates Israel. Satan hates us, the Christians, the church in the earth today. So, as we start chapter 12, I'm going to kind of break this down in a similar fashion without going into a lot of great detail. And the reason for that is we could easily sit here for two, three hundred hours and talk about these next two chapters. But what I want you to see is that, you know, first of all, you and I are reading the book of Revelation together. You're my partners, praise God. Secondly, prophecy is not necessarily my forte. But I am here to teach the entirety of the Word of God in one form or another, as the Lord lays it upon my heart to do so. And I'm also giving you the... uh, other individuals and ministries that you can look to for help to aid you in your study of Bible prophecy. Um, I would definitely try to stay with people who have proven track records, people who have you know taught according to sound doctrine in other areas of their ministries um, and, and go with them on uh, on the book of Revelation. So let's start by reading the first couple verses. Let's read on down through verse 4 of Revelation 12. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, Pride, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered and there appeared another wonder in heaven and behold a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it were born now So I want you to see where it says there appeared a great wonder. The Greek word for appeared is H-O-R-A-O. And it could be translated was seen. There was seen a great wonder. That word wonder is S-E-M-E-I-O-N. And it simply means a sign. So there was seen a great sign in heaven. Now remember, this is the Apostle John... Having this vision of the end of days, we are, at this point in time of John's vision, this is taking place during the midway point of the Great Tribulation. Now, if we take that in chronological order, then this woman has to symbolize national Israel. First of all, it is a symbol. And secondly, we have to make a distinction between Israel or between the woman and what she symbolizes she symbolizes national Israel and national Israel uh, at the time of this prophecy even as in many cases today is probably very secular you know everybody who is Jewish doesn't practice Judaism just like everybody who's born in America is not a Christian okay so There's possibilities that spring from that. Such as, will Israel make a covenant with the Antichrist in order to have protection from the revised Roman Empire? We're going to get to that and you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, And then the Antichrist, of course, will turn on Israel because he is empowered by Satan. And Satan hates Israel but we believe that this woman this is a great sign in the heaven uh, is national israel and there's many scriptures <clears throat> you can look at uh, Joel chapter 3 Zechariah chapter 9 verses 10 through 16 Zechariah 12 4 through 14 Zechariah 13 8 and 9 Zechariah 14 1 through 21, Matthew 24 verses 15 through 22, and Daniel 9 27. The book of Hosea, Hosea, in your Bible presents the idea of Israel being married to God and pictures her backslidings and her immorality as leaving God. And after her subsequent humiliation and brokenness in the wilderness, she returns to God. Hosea chapter 2 verses 14 through uh, 23 and Romans chapter 11 and Acts chapter 15 verses 13 and 18. So the married woman here symbolizes Israel during the middle of the week. Alright, she is in travail. And the Greek word for travail or travailing is O-D-I-N-O and it's used here. As well as in Galatians chapter 4 verse 19 and also verse 27 and Matthew 24 verse 8 and Mark 13 verse 8. And it means to experience pains whether they are literal or figurative. And so since this is a symbol, then we understand that it's probably the pains is a figurative expression here of Israel suffering pain and torment during the time of the Great Tribulation. It's called Jacob's Trouble, after all. So we see here that Israel in her past has been in bondage many, many, many times, beginning with Egypt. But this travail, this tribulation, will be the worst she has ever known. There's a twofold result of this travail of Israel during the tribulation week. First, there'll be the deliverance of the man child. We're going to get to that in a moment. Uh, again, it's possible that Israel has made a covenant with the Antichrist for protection from the great whore and from the ten kingdoms of Revised Rome, and this covenant will be broken in the middle of the week by the Antichrist. He determines, ladies and gentlemen, to completely destroy Israel. We can look back in our history books, and some of you out there might remember it from living through it. It's sad that we are losing uh, most of our World War II veterans now. Uh, There aren't too many left. But we, we think of the rule and the regime of that monster Adolf Hitler. We think of the horror of the extermination of six million Jews. The Antichrist will make that look like a Sunday school picnic. As the Antichrist will not keep any covenant that he makes with Israel, he will break those covenants and determine to annihilate the Jewish people, whether or not they are secular or practicing Judaism. It doesn't matter to the Antichrist, but he will be defeated in his purpose, and we will get to that in upcoming chapters. Uh, Also, the book of Daniel. So if you wanted to get a commentary on Revelation and a commentary on the book of Daniel to help you understand uh, these things a little deeper, but just make sure you get a commentary by a dispensationalist. Because I... I don't even have time right now in this study to explain all of the differences of the inter. There's a historic interpretation of Revelation. There's the dispensational approach. There's the millennial approach. Whatever the case might be, we are dispensationalists, and so we we believe that this is literally a seven-year period, and we are right now smack dab in the middle of it at three and one-half years, and John has seeing that chapters 12 and 13 are taking place at the same time that the great judgments of God are covering the earth Okay, Israel's travail here during the middle of the week when we say the week the week in the great tribulation period is the same thing it's Daniel's 70th week prophecy and so you have to look that up Daniel's 70th week and he prophesied it Uh, in his prophecy. Uh, The catching up of the man-child, which, and we believe that God will supernaturally protect the woman in the wilderness, so Israel will flee to the wilderness, a remnant will flee into Palestine by directing the attention of the Antichrist toward the threatenings of the northern and eastern nations. Who these nations will be, there is a lot of guesswork involved in it, But remember this, whenever it gives you a direction in Bible prophecy, and this is just a little tip to help interpret, okay? When it gives you a direction, like it says north, it's meaning directly north of Israel. If it says east, it's meaning directly east of Israel. If it says south, it's meaning directly south of Israel. And if it says west, it's meaning directly west of Israel. You see, Israel is the centerpiece of focus during the Great Tribulation period. Not America, not anywhere else. Israel is God's centerpiece. And so all of the directions given by the prophets in the Bible are given from the vantage point of the Holy Land, Israel, specifically the nation of Israel. And so at the end of the Tribulation period, the woman will be delivered. When the Antichrist with many nations tries to destroy Israel, you can look at Micah chapter 5, verse 3, Zechariah chapter 12, verses 10 through 14, and verse 21, and Joel chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. And Israel will actually be converted as a result of this travail, or in other words, as a result of the great tribulation and the effect that it has on the nation of Israel, they will convert to Christ. The Antichrist will be defeated by the return of Christ to the earth, and the angels and the saints of God will be coming with him. Hallelujah. You and I will be there. You and I will be at that second coming. Glory to God. Because remember now, the rapture takes place seven years before the second coming. Hallelujah. And we talked about that already. So Israel will be exalted once again. Christ will set up his own kingdom at the time of the end. Read Romans 11 verses uh, twenty six and twenty seven Revelation chapter nineteen verses eleven through twenty. Uh, uh, Re- revelation nineteen eleven through chapter twenty verse six, and second Thessalonians one seven through ten. And now this great red dragon, I, you know you don't have to guess too hard who this is. This is Satan. It's an appropriate symbol of Satan because he mercilessly, he has no mercy and he persecutes and murders. Multitudes of unfortunate people. Look at John 8 44. Uh, You know, Satan was a murderer from the very beginning. His only, listen, the only thing that Satan desires where you and I are concerned, or where any nation of the world is concerned, is to kill us, to steal from us, to destroy us, to murder us, to wreck our lives. In Job chapter 41. And in Isaiah chapter 27 and verse 1, Satan is portrayed as Leviathan, the piercing serpent, that crooked serpent, the dragon that is in the sea. The word dragon is used 13 times in the New Testament and only in Revelation, this being the first time of his mention. So, we can see here differentiating between the symbol and that which is symbolized. The dragon is a symbol of Satan, the chief adversary of God. Therefore, he hates anything God loves. He hates Israel. He hates Christians because God loves us. He hates anything that God loves, and he will turn this hatred using the Antichrist. Satan will literally enter into the Antichrist. And that's we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here. So, the beast out of the sea... Uh, well, let's start, this, let's start back here and say this, uh, <clears throat> the seven heads and the ten horns here uh, on the great dragon symbolize the same seven world kingdoms as the seven heads and ten horns that are referred to in the next chapter, chapter 13, uh, on the beast out of the sea. God will use these nations in His purposes of judging Israel from the beginning of her history to Christ's coming. Here's the nations that's being referred to here. So when you when we get over here, let's just go over there and read it real quick to Revelation 13, verses 1 through 4. And it says, I stood on the, upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns. Okay, And and it goes down, he gives his authority, he has great authority. The dragon gave him his power, so we're going to talk about that in depth. But these seven heads and ten horns are the same ones we're seeing here in chapter 12. They represent Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and the ten kingdoms of what we will call revised Rome so here how many do you count there one two three four five six seven and then there's ten kingdoms and out of the set out of one of the seven is where the Antichrist comes from and of course if you've gotten our teaching on the rise of the Islamic beast we believe it comes from the Babylonian portion and Alexander the Great even narrows it down more in the book of Daniel where he said it's from the Syrian section of the division of Alexander the Great's Grecian generals. And we we will touch on that briefly uh, in just a short time. So... Basically what we're seeing here, in brief is the entire history of Israel's struggle against these nations. And this symbol is also seen in heaven. It it indicated that one-third of the stars of heaven were cast to the earth. This This also echoes back to the history of when Lucifer fell and took a third of the angels with him. So it's true when you hear people say that history repeats itself. And what Lucifer did in the time of the very beginning seems to be repeating right here, but it has a slightly different meaning. Uh, So this is not literal stars. This has to do with angels that are called stars. They shine. They're illuminating. And there is a dark knowledge in the earth today. A dark knowledge that seeks to Uh, displace and replace the knowledge that god has given us in his word and this is why over and over in the old testament uh, we hear you know don't we are not to consult mediums we are not to consult the stars in heaven we are not to have guidance for our lives by these things because it's a counterfeit of the real truth that you and i find in god's word and god has given his word for us So Satan is, he's a counterfeiter of everything, and uh, we will see exactly what will happen. The dragon here, Satan stands before the woman, which is ready to be delivered, is about to bring forth. The man-child is delivered in the middle of the week. The dragon will try to destroy the man-child, but if you remember where we read, there is a supernatural protection. And I'm giving away the identity of the man-child is the 144,000 and they have a supernatural protection. Uh, Satan tries to destroy them but is unsuccessful. The man-child is then raptured and he continues uh, at that time Satan does his long-standing enmity toward Israel. So let's read verse 5 of chapter 12. She brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and her child was cut up unto God and to his throne. So this is also another symbol. Uh, there's several theories as to who is this man-child. Many people say because he is to rule with a rod of iron, he is Christ. Um, but this, this expression means authority. And we find that nothing can hurt the 144,000. God has declared that from heaven. Uh, I'm not going to go into all the scriptural References as to why people say that. Um, but we believe that the man child is the 144,000 Jews who are saved after the rapture of the church and the Old Testament saints. These are the first fruits to God from Israel. Okay? In discussing the woman. It was ascertained that she represents Israel. So it follows that Israel cannot bring forth a company of Gentiles, but rather brings forth her own nationality, the Jews. The woman represents a company, a remnant. So the man-child must represent the remnant of Jews in order to fulfill statements that were made plain in Revelation chapter 12 that we're discussing right now. So it's a completeness that's brought forth in the middle of the week, The dragon will want to devour the child of the woman, the offspring, the 144,000 who are evangelists for Jesus Christ, but they are Jewish. And so this confuses some people too, because yes, we do have Messianic Jews today. But no, they will not be one of the 144,000 because the 144,000 is brought forth by national Israel after the rapture of the church. That's really uh, what is being said here in this portion of chapter 10. So let's move a little further. The woman goes into flight. In verse 6, the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And so then there is war in heaven, Revelation 12, verses 7 through 12. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. So we can see that no matter how the enemy fights, in any dispensational period, amongst any group of people, the enemy cannot prevail against the plans and purposes of God And that is tremendously important as we go forward to understand because you and I fail sometimes. We're part of the plan of God, you and I, as Christians. And sometimes we fail. And we think, you know, well, we've let God down. And we have, as far as our part of the plan is concerned, perhaps. But God's plan will not be thwarted. He will bring forth the desires of his heart as he seeth fit. Okay? And so, while we certainly don't want to drop the ball, at the same time, we needn't be concerned that the enemy will overtake God because of, my, of someone as insignificant as myself. And, and that needs some explanation. So let me say it this way. Every human being is very important. Don't misunderstand Brother Paxton. And every one of us has a detailed role to play in God's plan for the human race. We were designed for a purpose. And, and we are also human. And we make mistakes. And we fail. And we fall. And we falter. And we stagger. Sometimes we stagger in unbelief at the things that God is speaking to us. And while failure will always hurt the individual believer, failure will not dissuade the ultimate plan of God. That's what we see in this 12th chapter, and we're getting into a section now that I might actually come back and do another portion of this. Um, So let's, let's recap before we read verse 7. The woman clothed with the sun is national Israel. The man-child she produces, we believe, is the 144,000. The dragon is Satan. And Satan has been the one who has stirred the nations of the world from time immemorial against God's chosen people, Israel. And that will continue and intensify here in this middle of Daniel's 70th week, the midway point of the great tribulation period, and the persecution will become such as has never been seen before. And listen, the Jewish people have been through so much, and they have been hurt so badly so many times, but this will make it all pale into insignificance, as this will be Satan's final attempt. As Nazi Germany coined it, the final solution, the final attempt to annihilate Israel. And Satan will literally enter into the Antichrist to perform this task. So the Antichrist, we have found out, which we're going to look at a little more in chapter 13, his primary function will be to defeat Jesus Christ. And that, So that would mean Christians and Jews. Because God is bringing it down to where the Jews... See, at the, this is why Satan has included him. The Jewish people gave us our Bible. God spoke through Jewish prophets. God had Jewish kings. The Jewish people is the apple of God's eye, meaning he loves them, and he has forever set his affection upon them. And so Satan hates anything that God loves. And then Israel sadly rejected her Messiah when Jesus Christ walked upon the earth the first time. And so the kingdom was transplanted to the Gentiles. And the church was born. And there is a Jewish church and a Gentile church all under Christ. There are Jews that are saved right now. And they, like those of us Gentiles who are saved right now, will go in the rapture of the church before the great tribulation period starts. So we discovered that these 144,000 are saved after the rapture. If they were saved before the rapture, they'd go in the rapture. So this has to be the birth of the woman clothed with the sun. This has to be her offspring. The offspring of national Israel that has turned to Christ during the tribulation period. The first fruits of it. There will be more. There will be many in national Israel that will turn to Jesus Christ after the 144,000 are raptured in the middle of the week. Which we're about to see and we talked about earlier as well. So, the Antichrist... His his purpose, his mission is to defeat Jesus Christ. He is Antichrist, antithesis of Christ. Whereas Jesus is God, Antichrist is uh, indwelt and empowered by Satan. Okay? God, using the time of Jacob's trouble, using it, I want you to hear that because God will use our troubles and God will use tribulation in our lives. And God will use the time of the great tribulation or the time of Jacob's trouble, same thing to bring Israel to their Messiah, Jesus Christ. So that's why Satan wants to wipe out Jew. He wants to wipe out Gentile. He wants to wipe out Christian. Anyone who will not declare their allegiance and give Antichrist their worship will be destroyed. That's his attempt. And we know that Antichrist will fail in his attempt, but it will be one more rough road getting to that failure point for the world. Okay? for the inhabitants of planet earth during the tribulation period so let's go with war in heaven which is a subtitle of where we are now Daniel or I'm, I'm sorry Revelation 12 verses 7 through 12 <clears throat> and there was war in heaven Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. And he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdoms of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of your brother is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea! For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And so, the conflict between God and Satan began when Lucifer attempted to exalt his kingdom above the angels of God and actually dethroned God. That's what his heart was set on doing. Satan wants to take over the kingdoms of the universe. The war referred to in this passage will be the last desperate struggle between the spirit beings in the heavenlies. And you remember we talked about, there's three heavens. There's the air that we breathe, that's the first heaven. And then there's the atmospheric heaven, that's the second heaven. That's what's being talked about right here. That is where Satan and his angels were one time relegated to when they were cast out of the third heaven because of rebellion against God. And now there is the spiritual warfare in the second heaven and the second heaven will affect events upon the earth. And this is why when we enter into intercession, when we enter into prayer, when we enter into travail, as Christians we are literally affecting, by by affecting activity of the angels of God versus the angels of the evil one, when we loose those spirits of God through prayer, through intercession, whatever the case might be, Jesus talked about binding and loosing. That's all done in the second heaven. And that's where the the unseen realm has their warfare. Okay, And it affects events on planet earth. When Lucifer first rebelled against God, he was cast out of heaven and back down to the ground, and he was dethroned. And you can read Isaiah chapter 14. Verses 12-14 through on that. But even though Satan lost his kingdom and his lofty position, he still has power. This power was his by nature and by gift. And he has it greatly in the heavenlies and over the earth, since it was usurped from Adam. So in other words, when Adam fell, read Ephesians 2-2. Ephesians 6-12. John 1231 John 1430 John 1611 Matthew four verses one through 11 when when Adam fell, Adam gave the authority that God had given him he gave it to Satan and that's why Satan can manipulate some of the things that he does upon the earth today is because of the fall of man when Jesus oh hallelujah When Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, he took the authority back. Hallelujah. And when we put our faith in Jesus, and you and I are born again, hallelujah, we regain authority that Adam once had, but lost, gave it away to Satan, we get it back. And so Jesus said, you can bind and loose. Jesus said, you can bind the devil. Jesus said you can cast down wicked thoughts and imaginations. Jesus said sin shall not have dominion over you because you are no longer under the law. The law came because of the fall, but you are under grace. We are empowered to live holy, hallelujah, by the blood of Jesus Christ and by the power of His Holy Spirit. And so... This is where, and this is another reason why I personally am a dispensational believer. Because all of these events, starting with the fall and ending with eternity. Well, actually, starting in eternity past and ending in eternity future, which has no end, okay? There is no end either side. But they, all of these events, the fall... Ties in greatly so with the great tribulation. And we've just seen how right here. You just simply ask yourself a question. Why does Satan have power? Well, he has power because Adam fell. And the only one that Satan truly has no power over are those who have come to Jesus Christ, received him as their Lord and Savior, and been born again back into the family of God. And Satan, the the Bible says, He has no power over you. He has no power over you except the power you gives him. Or give him, I should say. Well, doesn't doesn't bad things sometimes happen to Christians? Absolutely. Absolutely. We live on a fallen planet. And that's another issue uh, altogether. But to be sure, Satan manipulates all of that. In an effort to get Christians to renounce their faith. Don't you do it. You stand firm. Because listen, no matter what, we have the promise of eternity with God through Jesus Christ. And that cannot be taken away from us by any power, anywhere, at any time. According to verse 7 here, Uh, This war will be timed in the middle of the week and will take place in heaven. Michael the archangel will be in command of the angels of God. This company will stand against Lucifer the archangel who will command his angels that fell with him when he sinned and was dethroned. So we're seeing these same ancient spirits back again here at the end of days. It's the same ancient spirits that were in the beginning of days will invade once again at the end of days. And that's an important thing for you to remember as you study uh, end times. The combat will be real. But, hallelujah, God will have victory. And declaration of this victory will be made both to God and to the saints on the earth. The inhabitants of heaven will rejoice in verse 12. The occupants of the earth will be aware of the woe. Now remember, there were three woes. The woe that is coming. Satan will vent his wrath upon the woman, the remnant, and any other group of people during the last three and one half years of the Great Tribulation period. He will vent his wrath upon any group. That does not give him their allegiance and their worship. Okay. His wrath will be great. Because he realizes he only has a short time left. And with that we will conclude the reading of chapter 10. And then uh, we will prepare for our next. Our next lesson I will probably talk a little bit more about the power of the blood of Jesus and I think it's very important that we touch on it here uh, at this point in our study so revelation 12 verses 13 through 16 when the dragon saw that he was cast out unto the earth he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, she might fly into the wilderness into her place, where she is nourished for a time, times, and half a time. Now time is one year, times is two years, and a half a time is a half a year. Add it together, you have three and one half years that this national Israel, the remnant of Israel, will flee to the wilderness and be protected by God. Um, from the face of the serpent and the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood and the earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth and see, you see what's happening here and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth And I want to take just a little bit of time here to read. um, With Satan and his angels defeated on the earth, severe persecution will be vented toward the woman that brought forth the man-child. In other words, the Antichrist is going to see here, and Satan is going to see here, that they have a special protection from God. We talked about that. The first purpose will be to destroy this 144,000, but when the man-child is caught up, he the enemy will be unable to destroy them. So he will turn on the woman. He will turn on Israel and bitterly persecute her. Satan will cause the Antichrist to break his covenant with Israel, after which time he will receive power and authority from the dragon, and together they will make war on Israel. The Antichrist. uh, persecution of Israel is referred to by the prophets. You can read Isaiah chapter 10, verses 20 through 27. Isaiah 14, 1 through 27. Jeremiah chapter 30 verses 3 through 9, Daniel chapter 7 verses 12 through 27, Daniel chapter 8 verses 23 through 25, Daniel chapter 9 verse 27, Daniel chapter 11 verses 40 through 45, and Micah chapter 5 verses 13 through 15, and those are just a few references of the Old Testament prophets that predict that the Antichrist will turn on Israel midway or a little before and begin to persecute them as never before to purposely try to annihilate them out of anger that he could not annihilate the 144,000. In other words, what what happened there? The gospel. He can't stop the gospel from spreading, no matter what he tries. Let me tell you, that's the same thing today in this world. You can persecute the, the church. You can persecute Christians. You can kill Christians. You can, you can endeavor to drive the church under, underground, but you will never put out the gospel light. You will never stop the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ from covering the earth as the waters cover the sea because God has sealed it in the blood of His Son Jesus. And this is an everlasting gospel, the Scripture calls it. And so, persecute who you want to persecute and try as you may but you will not stop the gospel from spreading because God has ordained it such in his word so we find that uh, there are several prophecies in the word of God concerning this particular persecution and flight and protection of Israel the first Perhaps is found in Isaiah 16, verses 1 through 5, which indicates that Israel will flee to Petra. Uh, there's a rock-hewn city of Petra. Uh, it was called by the by the Romans. And it's in Mount Seir, near Mount Hor, in the land of Eden and the land of Moab. And so Israel is referred to outcast in this passage and Moab is commanded to welcome them and to cover them from the face of the spoiler so again that's Isaiah 16 1 through 5 and so they're told not to betray the Israelites to the Antichrist Reference is made there to to Moab being a protector of Israel at this time so during this particular time that we're looking at and reading here in the Word of God, Moab will actually protect Israel. There's many more things that we could say about Moab and and Petra and many different other things. It's called Selah in the Jewish language, Silah, and it means rock or stronghold. It's not the same word as the, the selah in the book of psalms that has an H on the end, this is spelled S-E-L-A with no H. Um, of course you know the Selah in the Psalms mean pause to consider. This is something uh, this means rock or stronghold if you take that H off. And that's fitting because when you and I as Christians pause to consider that God is our fortress hallelujah he's our rock he's our stronghold he's our place of safety he's our place to hide out from from the hand of destruction and to bask in the presence of jesus christ and the power of his holy spirit that all represents god and his relationship to us as his people hallelujah hallelujah to the lord so what have we talked about so far let's read the last verse first it says the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so this remnant is literally the Jews who will be saved after the rapture of the man-child, which was the 144,000. And that's the remnant that will flee into the wilderness when the woman and the main body of Israel does. Uh, as in previous invasions of Judea and Jerusalem, there has been a remnant left. This will be true during the middle of the week of the tribulation time when the dragon and the Antichrist determined to destroy Israel. The word remnant in Scripture is always used in reference to Israel and not the church or not the Gentiles. So this thing about a remnant doesn't really apply to the New Testament church at all. It's used as it refers to Israel. In the scriptures. And you can look at that in Isaiah chapters 1 and 9, uh, Isaiah 10 verse 20, Isaiah 11 verse 16, Joel 2 32, Micah 2 12, Micah 5 3 through 9, Zechariah 8 6 through 12, and Romans chapter 11. And let me say this. Someone said the other day, you know, that people that don't preach Bible prophecy a lot. And and what they really meant was all the time that they are not, they insinuated, you know, that they're not part of the remnant church. Well, there is no remnant church in the scriptures. The word remnant is always used as it refers to Israel. Israel, Israel, Israel. So that kind of takes care of your little theory there, doesn't it? Hallelujah. Praise God. There's a whole lot of other stuff to preach besides just Bible prophecy. Amen. And the, the Lord commands us to preach the whole counsel of God. Hallelujah. To preach the from the entirety of the Word of God. And to be sure, it all does play in together and factor in together. And so as we close this session today, and I, it's been kind of a hodgepodge here today, is there's just so many ways you could take this study. Glory be to God. What I want you to see <clears throat> is that the woman clothed with the sun represents national Israel. The man-child is the 144,000. The great dragon is Satan. And it's just, it's, Satan is the one who will empower the Antichrist. And he will turn on Israel and try, attempt, This is the final attempt that he will have to destroy him. Israel will be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ at the Battle of Armageddon. And we'll see all of that as we get to it. And the next thing we're going to look at together is chapter 13, where it talks quite a little bit about the Antichrist. And, uh, you know, again... I haven't decided whether I want to go into great detail as to this country is this and this country is that. We talked a little bit today about Moab uh, being a protector of Israel during the time of their uh, flee into the wilderness and they are holed up at the stronghold of Petra uh, during the midway point and on to the end of the Great Tribulation. Um, many 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 people will be killed during the great tribulation but God will have a remnant of Israel that will be protected in the wilderness the desert region around Petra or Sile and they will be there protected by God in the stronghold and that is a picture and a type of the grace that God has yet for Israel hallelujah You know, we've seen that grace, you and I, hallelujah, and every Jew today, too, that has given their heart to Jesus Christ is operating in grace. This will be an extended hand of grace, the protection of this remnant, to bring them to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Okay, and so let's close by saying that. God does not have two ways of salvation. He doesn't have one way for the Gentiles and one way for the Jew. It is one way for all to be saved. And that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. That I pray, and my heart is, and my hope is, that you know Jesus today, whether you are Jew or Gentile. Because if you will give your life to Christ, and if you will repent of your sins, and you will turn from them, God will receive you. And you will be born again through Jesus Christ. And you can live in victory and in power. And the power of the enemy shall not have dominion over you if you belong to Jesus Christ. And so as we close today, I pray that this has been a a special blessing to you as we've read uh, chapter 12 of the book of Revelation together. Hallelujah. And given you a basic overview of what it uh, means and symbolizes. Again, let me encourage you to grab up some material by, by different prophecy teachers that are dispensational in theology and also stable in sound doctrine. Men like Perry Stone, uh, Brother Swaggart, Finus uh, Jennings-Dake, uh, Clarence Larkin, Jack Van Empy Hal Lindsey, uh, I mean, we could go on and on. David Jeremiah, John Hagee, all of these men are very uh, conservative in their theology. They are sound in their doctrine. And it will help you maybe with more of the details that I'm able to go into here today. So until the next time you and I come together around this great book of Revelation and study the 13th chapter together, we're actually going to read it and give an overview. This is Brother Paxton saying, go with God. And he will go with you. Bless you now.